all Utes, all the time. This is your Ute Preview Show with Hans and Scotty on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to Tim Daly Infinity. If you're looking for an Infinity, a new one off the show floor, this is the only Infinity dealership here in the state. Come down and see Dallas and his crew. Great guys. The Tim Daly family, they're good people. I'm telling you, they're really good people. Got to meet Tim Daly himself. I had a couple of conversations with him. He's a big-time sports fan. Obviously, that's why we're here for our BYU and preview shows, our BYU and Utah preview shows. And when you're looking for good customer service and good price and uh, obviously good financing options, you're going to find it here at Tim Daly Infinity, and you will get that forever warranty. It is your preview show. That means that uh, I am joined by the one and only Frank Dolce. Frank, are you still allowing me to call you Frank, or would you like me to start calling you Mr. Dolce? Do I need to just be more respectful of who you are, and and I'm talking about who you are in the world, and call you Mr. Dolce? Would that make you happier? I, who knows what to say to that? Who, I mean, how am I supposed to respond to that? Am, no, you don't need to call me Mr. Dolce. I sound like a, a jerk. Yes, call me Mr. Dolce. I sound like a jerk. I mean, there's no way to respond to that. I, I just want to come here. I want to. I get I want to sit here and I want to talk I about college football. But and I youths, sound like a jerk if and I'm I want, not addressing and I, you <laughs> with the proper labels. I and I want to glean off of your knowledge oh, of the of the intricacies of the offensive and defensive please. lines. You I have, want to become a better have, person. You and, have and then watched. You, and then you analyze more football than the, I ever. The things could. that you say, I can't imagine what people listening must think of me based on the things that you say. I just want to know. Is it okay if <laughs> I keep calling you Frank? And and you're doing this and and Lloyd's back there sn- sn- you know snuggling up to a built bar without the cattle prod. I don't understand this. <laughs> Shouldn't we be moving on? Utah has a big game this week. I mean, Utah's in this in the midst of this run where they could potentially find it's- themselves in the Pac-12 championship and on the path to a Rose Bowl and and uh, you're talking about, you know, labels, to, how, labels. Yeah. If it it's, was if, you know, if I'm sitting here and I'm Bill Marcroft, then you call me Mr. Marcroft because I, you know, then I would have earned that respect. I think it probably should go the other way around. I should be calling you Merlin's nephew. Would you rather me call you Merlin's nephew or Hans? Let's give Mr. Dolce and Merlin's nephew a try today. <laughs> And just see if we both feel more comfortable with each other. Okay. I think, I think we need a mutual respect around here. That, that, it's lacking that right I, now. That shows to the listener that we really do respect. Okay. okay. Uh, Fred, that sounds you, you good. You said a big game this week, but essentially Utah has a bye week this week. Correct? Oh, my gosh. Don't You know what, Hans? Merlin's nephew. <laughs> Thank Listen. You. Thank you. <laughs> that Much is, better. Y- you know. You know, you know, people are Utah football people are just scratching their heads right now. They're rolling their eyes. How could Hans say that? How could you put that kind of negativity on on the Utes this week? This is a college football game in the Pac-12. Who would have thought that Stanford would have beaten Oregon 
this year. Nobody. And especially looking back. Nobody. Who would have thought that Arizona would have beaten Cal? Not a chance. The, okay. Especially not whatever it was, 10 to – was it 10 to 4? 10 to 5? Yeah. <laughs> 10 to 6. <laughs> the most awkward score <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. Ever. Yes. So, so and then you and then you want to say now Utah's on a pretty good run right now. And, they're you know, their offensive line seems to be settled in. Good quarterback oh, yeah. play. Tavion Thomas keeps getting better each week. The defensive line has things figured out. There have been – Pretty solid against the run after that debacle at Oregon State. And and now you want to say after, you know, we've watched this Utah team not be good at times this year, and now they're kind of on a roll, and you want to say this is a bye week? That's how you're going to open up the – I mean, how, how – it, it feels like a bye week. <laughs> you know, you say that. You say that it feels like a bye week. And let, let, me, just, let me just give you some – let me just give you some insight into uh, into this into this bye week. Do you know that uh, uh, defensively, the, these teams align pretty well? Like Utah's giving up 345 yards a game on defense. Arizona's only giving up 354 yards a game on defense. That's that's pretty close, right? I mean that's. And, and we say defense wins championships. That's that's pretty close. Do you know in the Pac-12 that Arizona is has run the most offensive plays in the Pac-12? No, I didn't know that. Did you know that that uh, that Arizona is ninety six point three percent red zone defense efficiency? 96.3% red zone defense efficiency. Utah's only 84% red zone defense efficiency. Wait a second. Are, are you trying to talk yourself into saying that this is going to be a game? Oh, man. Listen to this. Oh, Arizona man. is 125th in scoring offense. Wait, wait, wait. 123rd wait. in fewest We're not talking about those. I'm talking about the other third down conversion was... percentage. 129th in red zone defense. 119th in red zone offense. They're 130 out of 130 in turnover margin. They are minus 14 in turnovers, Frank. They like do nothing well. Week. This is a terrible team. This deserves no attention. You cannot make a game out of this. You can't even generate interest. That's why we should probably just get to the Pac-12 shakedown. And this Arizona team is garbage, and Cal is garbage for letting them be in on it. And Utah showed last week that when they play a bad team, they stomp a bad team. They put Stanford under their shoe and smash their face down to the dirt, just like they're going to do against Arizona, which makes it a cleanup by uh, kind of a cleanup in bye week where you're going to be playing your second and third stringers by the end of the third quarter. All, or you should be all I know, Hans, playing your second and All third I know, as of last week, there are two 1-0 teams playing in Tucson this weekend. <laughs> the first, Arizona's first win in 20, was it, how many games, 24, 26 games? Years. It was 20, I think it was 20, they, they were 0 and 26. Listen, so here's what, I like to do this when. It was bad. I, I like to listen to uh, radio broadcasts. I'm, I'm, I'm super soft on television broadcasts. I think broadcast teams on television with, you know, they've been, it's become, a lot of it has become unwatchable. I, I like to tune in to the radio broadcast. 
and and especially a, a a hometown kind of broadcast, not like a national, but like the home team. So I w- I happened to be listening to Arizona's broadcast of the game against Cal, and and gosh dang it, I'm always forgetting his um, I'm always forgetting his his oh Brian Jeffries, Brian Jeffries. You could tell like he's trying to control his excitement as this game is getting. <laughs> closer and closer through the fourth quarter and that he might actually call a win yeah that he might actually call a win and and on his play card he has in the upper right hand corner he has a box that shows the the losing streak Mm -hmm. number of weeks number of losses you know the last time they called a winning performance He's going was through, it 2019? He was going through, yes, yeah, it's like something like 2019. He's going through this whole scenario, and you can just tell that he is getting more he's and more try, He's trying to contain himself. Oh. He's trying to contain himself. The final gun sounds. And Jeffries starts talking about this win. And he's talking about the, the fans streaming onto the field. They haven't been able to do that in two years. And the fans stormed the field? Yes. <laughs> oh, <no>. Yes. <laughs> and, and and was it was it the excitement level of Greg Rubel when Harleen caught the pass? Did somebody scream in the background of the broadcast? I have a good Harleen story, I'll tell you that. I'll okay. tell you that next. But but nobody was screaming except Lovett, who who does the who's the color analyst is is giggling, yeah. like he's giggling in the background. He's so it's been happy. a long time since I've seen a win. And and as he as Jeffrey starts describing how happy he is for the players to get this win, and it was homecoming, <laughs> he audibly broke down. And you could hear he did not shedding cry. tears. He did not on cry. the broadcast. It was, it was. He did not unbelievable. Do you know this guy? No, no. He did I not. I just am so glad that I had a chance to emotional. tune in. Absolutely, you could hear him choked up. Oh, for the players, wow. it was it was amazing. It was unbelievable listening to that. Uh, well, Arizona, and so that's the kind of energy and excitement this Arizona team has—the momentum uh-huh. after that big win. Arizona got their first win uh, since the turn of the century, and it uh, was an emotional moment, apparently, for some. As far as Utah is concerned, they are clicking at a very high level, and I want to start, Frank, by recapping some of what we saw of them against Stanford. Okay, I'm going to throw something at you because I was I went back and was doing some film review on this Utah-Stanford game. Yes. Did you see the tweet I sent out about tight ends? Guess how many – look at me. Oh, no, computer. no. Did you, see, did you see the tweet I sent out? No. Guess how many combined receptions the tight ends had against Stanford? Well, there were only – there were only – 15 t- receptions or 16? In the remember. game. Yeah. And they had the, the uh, eight. One catch for nine yards. What? Yes, amongst those three. How could we miss that? How did I, I miss that? I, I don't know, but when I went back and I was looking at it, I'm, I'm watching the rushing game going into the second quarter. From the second quarter to the fourth quarter, I, I really jumped in and watched that game. Yeah. And I'm watching, I'm like, 
There's not, no attack there. No movement there. No push to the tight end there. Tight ends are open. No, okay, didn't target the tight ends. Tight ends are open. Didn't target the tight ends. There were probably 10 plays that I highlighted that tight end was open and tight end was not targeted. No, no, there were, there were eight plays tight ends were open and not targeted. And my thought was, wait a second, you got three of the best tight ends in the country. I get it. You've got 441 rushing yards. You've got three running backs that go for 100 yards apiece. That is unprecedented. That is unnatural. Like, that should, that should never happen. Have you ever in your life, Frank, you've, you, like, I, like I mentioned, you've been analyzing football for a lot, a lot longer than me. Have you ever seen uh, a team have three rushers over 100 yards? No. I don't think I've ever seen it. No, I don't. I don't think I've seen that either. And now it did take one rusher with four. I think he had four carries. Yeah, he had an and had the ninety six yarder. yarder. But yeah. but still four rushers. So you had four hundred forty one yards. But I still was like, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. That would be like Rudy Gobert playing an entire game and battling with those elbows and swatting shots and getting in position and closing to the perimeter and getting out and running in transition as hard as he can with those big men to get back into the post and back into his defensive sets. And, and throughout the, the entire game, the entire game, I, I would say it was the equivalent of him not even getting an offensive touch, not even getting a, a shot off. Like well, the, these tight ends, and, and then I'm looking at him like, they're playing, they're blocking like they're getting a, a reception every other play. So it's got to be pressure from the coaches. Like, hey, if you don't, then we're just going to take you off the field. I, so I felt like that wasn't Cam Rising's sharpest performance. And it also felt like he kept trying to maybe throw the ball downfield or force it downfield. So now that makes sense as, as we look back across that. Why the, why the tight ends weren't as involved. So, I mean, that's a good week for Utah to miss, miss the tight ends, but certainly something that has to be rectified moving forward. Those, those guys are just uh, – they're, they're just your – you know, your top three receivers on the team are Britton Covey, Brant Keithy, and Dalton Kincaid. And, and that's – you know, that's kind of how it should be Mm-hmm. on a weekly basis get those as off and, and then work bothering him into that as well but then you have guys like Vele who's played well who's done some nice things and Solomon Enos has has done nice things uh Bernard out of the backfield's very good so but but your your top guys have to be those guys so that's very interesting about mm-hmm. that and it makes complete sense now why Maybe Cam Rising seemed like it wa- he wasn't at his sharpest in that game. That's how it felt to me, too. And it was uh, kind of crazy to come across that. And, by the way, that's the, the fewest by a margin. I think next fewest is like seven or, or eight touches for the tight ends. The most, I think, was 11 against Arizona State, if I'm remembering my notes properly. Um, but you had multiple 10 games. I think San Diego State was 10. Um I'm trying to remember there was another 10 reception game for the tight ends. But, and I have thrown this in our over and under. I, 
I also want to make it very clear I am not one who's in the belief of forcing. I don't want anything forced. Just because somebody's so good doesn't mean you have to force. There are times that somebody's so good that if you don't use them, you look ridiculous. But I don't believe in forcing. But it is weird to me that you've got three of the best tight ends in the country. And you've got one reception to share amongst the three of them in a game against Stanford. I get it. The run game was going. I might have been critical if you come out of this thing and had 14 receptions. I might have and said, 14 combined receptions. Why wouldn't you just run the ball more? <laughs> this could just be me like finding, it, finding something that was interesting and saying, geez, one reception. That seems light. Yeah. Yeah, that was Keithy. One reception, nine yards yeah. against – Against Stanford, so that's and 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 you're saying that after your film study, it wasn't like Stanford was double teaming the tight end or paying paying special attention to the tight end or you know an over under or something to take the tight end out of the game. You're saying that tight end was available, yeah. and the pass went elsewhere. Yeah, that's how it felt. Um, I'll go back and take even a closer look, but that's certainly how it felt. Well, look. that is very interesting. We'll see if it uh, changes a little bit against Arizona. I don't know. It might not. Maybe you run for 400 yards again and say, hey, screw it. <laughs> we are who we are. Why are we throwing to the tight ends if we can run for 400 yards? I, I, I don't, I, if, they, if they do that, I don't even mind that. I'd just be like, geez, it would suck to be a tight end on that team. They're really good at receiving, and all they're doing is blocking. So Utah completed 13 passes in that game against Stanford out of 22 attempts. So, I, I mean, I, I love to see when – when Cam Rising only has to throw the ball 25 times a game. I, mean, I do, too. That's To me, that something else is going really well. That's wait, the run game. Oh, wait a second. I got a question for you on that. Yeah. Let, let's hold it till after the break. Yeah. I got a question for you on that. Okay. With what you just said with Cam Rising, because that, that sparked a thought. Um, your confidence in Cam Rising, we're going to get to that next. We're live at Tim Daly Infinity. Come down and see us, this beautiful showroom, whatever vehicle you're looking for. I do know that the QX55 is a sweet ride. I know somebody, uh, I'm very close to somebody who drives a QX55, and they love that car. It is absolutely the most beautiful design, safe design. And don't forget the only dealership uh, with uh, the only Infinity dealership here in the state of Utah and every vehicle that is that is sold and bought off this showroom comes with that forever warranty. That's all here at Tim Daly Infinity. Come down and see us. Ask for, ask for Dallas. Now, Dallas might be busy, but Dallas is the man down here. General manager, good friend of mine, good friend of the station, good friend of the show, treats our listeners good. That's Tim Daly Infinity. We'll come back to more Utah Preview Show and Frank Dolce talking about Cam Rising next. This is unrivaled. You guys are doing a hell of a job. You take a third-place Pac-12 team and put yeah. them in the Rose Bowl or right. a five-loss team and put but them it, in the Rose what Bowl. But what it is is it's like, but our champion is playing in the college football playoffs. And, so. then you have, and then you have BYU fan who is going to be even more grumpy because let's say they get to 12 in the college football playoff. Utah with five losses wouldn't even be – they must have been unranked at that point in the college right. football playoff committee. Yeah. And yeah. they'd be in the Rose Bowl. And they're playing a New Year's Six game where BYU is going – can I have some crumbs, sir? Can I have a bit of the New Year's Six Bowl, sir? That is unbelievable. Catch Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Keery. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. 
You're listening to the Ute Preview Show with Hans and Scotty on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Welcome back, Hans and Scotty, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. This is your Utah Preview Show. Hans Olson, Frank Dolce, taking you through your post-lunch hours. How you doing, Frank? Fantastic. It's so nice to be here with you. I, I, uh, I wish Scotty were here. I like Scotty, too. But it is nice to be here with I was, you. I have, a, I have a question. I was grateful when I called you and said, are you still coming even though Scotty wasn't here and you said yes? I was like, <clears throat> I a victory. Tell him what I really said. Reluctantly, yes. Reluctant, <laughs> reluctant to, but yes. yes. Yeah. I have a question for you. Yeah, go ahead. Who, who do you like more, Kyle Whittingham or Kalani Sataki? <laughs> 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 Who do you like more? I got a question for you. <laughs> you know I'm not answering that question. <laughs> I think both of them have amazing attributes. I think they're both fantastic coaches. You and I would probably fe- align in that a little bit. But because of your alma mater and because of my alma mater, we we would lean we would certainly well, lean one way or another. I played with Kalani <laughs> for 3 years. But we were he, seniors together. Was he was he – what kind of teammate was he? Was he a good teammate? Like, was he a, was he a force – was he a calming influence on the team? Very was much. He, uh, he was everything. He was everything <clears throat> that you could ask for. Like, he could light a locker room up with laughter. He could calm a locker room down with serious talk. He could ratchet up the intensity with just a, a couple of words and a, and a big block. He could do, yeah, he was, as a teammate, uh, I'll tell this story because he told it on this show once, and and Mm -hmm. I would have never told this story, but since he told it, I'll just tell you the quick version of it. You know how you stay the night in a hotel Mm -hmm. before a game, whether you're home or away. Mm -hmm. I don't know if people know that, but college football teams, they stay the night in a hotel whether they're home or away. Coaches just want to get you all in the same place so that there's no mess-ups the night before a game. And we used to do, like, WWE wrestling in rooms, and we broke mirrors and broke beds. And, like, we're, we were just big old meatheads, knuckleheads. And so Kalani wandered into this room where you had a bunch of big linemen in there wrestling and jumping off top ropes and stuff. And I, gla- I, I grabbed Kalani in a hold, and I threw him. And he went to post as he was landing, and his hi- elbow hyperextended. And it hurt him badly. And he couldn't move. And he was our captain. And he was everything offensively. And he was laying on the floor screaming. And I thought, you know what? If there was a transfer portal. You're going to enter. That's exactly what I thought. Hands is entering the transfer portal. I'll just get in it. I'll just go. (laughs) Um, And Kalani got up. And and believe it or not, he said, I'm going to try to play. I don't know if I'm going to be able to play. But I jacked him up. He went to the doctor, and he told him it happened in practice and concealed it and didn't tell anybody that I hurt him. That's what kind of man Kalani is talking Yeah. He could have got me in a lot of trouble. Yeah. Because I was already the guy that – I was that guy. Yeah. I had a lot of energy, You're, Frank. Yeah. You've, it's nice that you've calmed down a little uh, over, but not much. But not much. But, Kyle, know, but Kyle Whittingham is obviously he's, – He's all everything you could ask from a coach. Uh, you know, that's an interesting question. Um, Lloyd and I were kind of going back and forth, and we were talking about recruiting in the first segment. Mm-hmm. 
I feel like Kalani Sataki has been really actively engaged in going out, you know, finding different people that would have interest in in financing certain parts of name, image, and likeness, or, you know, whatever. We saw the Built Bar thing. It felt like that was largely due in part to Kalani's relationships. Mm-hmm. Is Kyle Whittingham the kind of guy that will do that? Well, and, I, and I if think not, should does does he need to? So it's very interesting. It's an interesting question because uh, I think BYU has maybe not been able to, without a conference affiliation, has not been able to attract the depth of talent. Not that they don't attract talent. I'm talking about in the last several years, not been able to attract the depth of talent on a consistent basis. I think Kalani's done a fantastic job of going out and building that, building that depth of talent. And, and without the conference affiliation, I think that is something that's been difficult. And so how do you utilize the resources that you have available to go out and attract that depth? If you don't have a conference affiliation, which now they do, you, this is an avenue. Yeah. Like, Name image likeness is an avenue where 18-year-old kid, all of a sudden you have this spo- a sponsorship from X company, a sponsorship from Y Z company. You got money sitting there. And that is very, can be very, very attractive. Mm-hmm. So a kid who is considering Utah or going out of state to a, a Pac-12 or a Big Ten or another university – all of a sudden, it's much more reasonable to keep that to keep that kid at home. Mm-hmm. Kyle Whittingham has built the University of Utah football program on the ability to recruit against the likes of Washington, Oregon, USC. If you put those if you put those four teams in a room. USC, Oregon, Washington, Utah, and Utah has a terrific reputation. Yeah, but you put, especially in some defensive categories. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But you put those four teams in the room with a kid who's trying to decide between those four, how many times does Utah really win that? Offensively, other than the running back position, not a ton. Yeah. Defensively, you're going to get some D linemen. Yeah. You're going to get some corners. Maybe a safety or two, but th- that's that's hard recruiting territory, and and but Coach Whittingham has built his team and built depth of talent recruiting against those guys. He's he's finds the hidden gems. He does. Um, so it feels like he's always got more out of what he's got. So recruiting is always going to be first and foremost as long as Coach Whittingham is running that program. First and it started with Coach McBride, like that was his big thing, getting talent. Urban Meyer, obviously, Coach Whittingham has followed that path. But in this day and age, you're go- you have to have somebody that is willing to put that program together. I don't necessarily think it has to be Coach Whittingham. I don't think that necessarily fits what he does really well. You'd be, I think you'd be putting him in an awkward situation. But you certainly have to have somebody who's doing that, mm-hmm. just like Washington did. Washington has put Chris Peterson in charge of 
name, image, likeness. He may very well be standing on the sidelines next year as the head coach, mm-hmm. but right now he's in charge of name, image, likeness because that is a un, it's a it's an untapped resource in recruiting. All right, Frank. I want to get back to uh, some of the original conversation that he teased in that last segment, talking about Cam Rising. You actually attached a number to Cam Rising attempts, not necessarily completions, but how many attempts that you'd like to see from Cam Rising. And it it made me think, or it made me wonder, how much do you trust Cam Rising at this point? It is it is very young stages of his career as a starter. How much do you trust Cam Rising in a dogfight? To, to put the ball in his hand and to distribute and to get a winning drive going in the final. And it's not going to happen this week against Arizona. It's not. You know it. I did this last week with Stanford. I'm going to do it again this week. It's just not. Don't, don't do that. Well, how did it work out? I hit it on the head, and I'm going to hit it on the head again this well, week. Utah, so, Utah had so a very nice game. Yeah. Let's, let's say, you know, you've got Oregon coming up. <laughs> That's going to be a tough game. Let's say – your Oregon is there at Rice Eccles Stadium. It's fourth quarter. You've got a you get the ball at the twenty five. You got a minute forty five. No, you'll go 10, 10 minutes twenty seconds. You got two two minutes twenty seconds on a final drive. Are you there yet? Where you believe that Cam Rising can make the passing decisions and make the throws to get you into a position in? And I'm not. I'm talking about a game where you need seven. Mm-hmm. Do you believe he's that type of quarterback that can do that right now? I have a, I have a high, high level of confidence with Cam Rising. He hasn't been in that situation this year, although a, you know, a little bit against San Diego State, which, by the way, I don't think was his best outing. He, he, he got a lot of accolades for that outing because they scored three touchdowns when he went in. Well, the poor guy had to come in and, and take the reins. Clean up. It's always tough to take the reins it in the is. middle of the game. It is, and his offensive line, by the way, wasn't. They weren't playing really well at that point in the season. But I have a high level of confidence in rising, being, being able to, to manage that situation. We've seen it in bits and pieces. We've seen him complete a third and seven where you need to get a first down, keep a drive, keep a drive going. Uh, we've seen him use his legs in difficult situations to keep a drive alive and pull the ball down and not throw it into coverage and not put his team in a difficult situation. Makes good decisions there. He makes very good decisions. He seems uh, steady in the pocket. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't feel like he's anxious. It feels like he's going to sit there and sit there, and then when he has to move, he'll, he'll go. You know, he'll go do something on the ground. So I, I think I have a high level of confidence in Cam. All of that said, I still don't want him throwing the ball 40 times a game. To me, if if Utah's throwing the ball 40 times a game, something is seriously wrong in the run game. And if that's something seriously wrong in the run game, then Utah's struggling. Uh, we'll we'll keep on that conversation. We got a lot more to get to. We're gonna jump into the Pac-12 shakedown coming up next. Give you a, a look around the Pac-12, the games that are coming up this weekend, some of the standings in the Pac-12. That's coming up next in the Pac-12 shakedown live from Tim Daly Infinity. 
It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. After 10 long, grueling weeks, it's finally a bye week for Kalani Sataki and the BYU Cougars. But just because the Cougars have the week off doesn't mean the coverage slows down on the Zone Sports Network. Keep it locked all week on the Zone Sports Network as we get you ready for the home stretch of the Cougar football season. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. All Utes, all the time. This is your Ute Preview Show with Hanson Scotty on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Scotty G is out with some play-by-play duties that he's got. I know he's in the sky right now, and then he's got the game coming up tomorrow. Hans Olsen and Frank Dolce taking you through your Utah Preview Show. It is time for your Pac-12 shakedown, and Frank, I'm going to start the shakedown by asking you the difficult question of <laughs> is the Pac-12 good or is the Pac-12 bad? Is it full of pretty good teams or is it full of mediocre teams? Because every week makes it more and more difficult for me to attempt to discern the two. Pac-12 is full of beatable football teams. Is that what it is? Yeah. Even Oregon? Yeah. I see. I think Oregon's beatable, and and I think you and I, I, I don't know if Scotty's on the same page. We'll wait till he gets back to talk to him about it. But I think that that Oregon team is very beatable and could be primed for the picking when they come to Rice Echo Stadium. Well, I mean, I might go out on a limb as we talk about the Pac-12 shakedown to pick Washington State this weekend. Against Oregon? Yeah. <laughs> At Oregon. Well, that's not for the I, conference. Let's start right there. That would Utah. Lloyd, did you hear Lloyd? Does that yeah. was that broadcast? That would ruin the conference. Utah has Oregon in two weeks. Washington State taking on Oregon this week. Yeah. We'll start right there with the Pac twelve shakedown. Are you taking Washington to upset Oregon? Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that. Washington State to upset what's the, Oregon. What's the line? L- Lloyd, do you have the line on that? Let's figure it out. But but I think uh, I think Washington State at Oregon is uh, – I, I mean, I feel like Washington – like Oregon has been Lloyd, on the cusp. I've got it at Oregon favored by 14. At home. Okay. That's a pretty big – that's a pretty big dump. And, and – Oregon favored Vegas by 14 usually gets it right. Well, at home against Washington State. So I still think that this is a, a, a upset opportunity here. You think Washington State with a new coach, uh, an interim coach, mm-hmm. at five and four, mm-hmm. having lost to every team in the state of Utah, <laughs> by the way, Utah, BYU, and Utah State all beating Washington State. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Now, they just beat Arizona State, which, again. Who knows? It just goes to show you, man. This, yes, that's exactly right, Hans. It just goes to show you. 
Okay, if that happened, if Oregon loses to Washington State, would that be the final little bit of dirt on the conference? Yeah. Like bury, oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah, bury that's it, it, right? That's it. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. O- I mean, Oregon Oregon has to win. I still don't think Oregon gets into the college football playoff, even, if they, do, do, even if they do go undefeated the rest of the way. Well, they're, and, they're unless number, there's some ugly things that happen to Oklahoma. Three. Yeah, o- Oklahoma has to win. Um Ohio State has to win. O- Ohio State has to win. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I could see a one-loss Oregon team still getting left out. Uh, I guess it depends on how they play the last several weeks of the season. But Well, that Stanford loss is, is turning out to be a very ugly, ugly loss. Ugly loss. Yeah. It's an ugly loss. So, But, I, you know, Washington State could pick this team off. I have not been overly impressed with – Oregon. I like the way they run the ball. Uh, I have very little confidence in their quarterback position. And um, I think that's meaningful going through the rest of the year. All right, let's move on to USC versus Cal. That's a 4-5 and five USC team taking – oh, that game has been postponed. Was that uh, – Yeah, that's, that's right. That Cal was... had COVID issues. COVID issues. Okay. So there's California – California, I mean the state there, prolonging uh, the pandemic. All right, well, let's move on then. We'll go to Stanford taking on Oregon State. We saw a mysterious loss by an Oregon State team that we kind of all, I think all of us kind of looked at that Oregon State team after they whooped Utah and thought that's a good team. They have now suffered consecutive losses. Kyle Whittingham called Oregon State, the best offense in the conference after that loss. Where did that? Where did it go? Well, and and then they, Cal held them to twenty five points, and Colorado yeah. held them to thirty four points, but well, put up thirty seven points. But the, yeah, well, so so and and then Oregon State fired their defense coordinator. I mean, so that's where it seems the finger is being pointed at the defensive side of the ball for Oregon State. And remember, Utah had pretty good success in that game uh, offensively. But they did have a couple blocked punts, turnover that turned into scores for Oregon State, and then they just couldn't stop the run. So, uh, but, but this shouldn't be – I mean, Oregon State could run for 400 yards in this game. They should against Stanford because Stanford's run defense was, was, has been very, very porous. Another team that we thought was good – at least had the the vision to be good after three consecutive wins, beating Colorado, UCLA, and Stanford, then losing to Utah. And since losing to Utah, they lost to Washington State, redeemed themselves a bit with a win over USC, but uh, Arizona Mm -hmm. State taking on Washington. Washington. Washington's not a good football team. It's a talented football team. Not a good football team. How much of an indictment is that on that new staff? Too much turmoil. There's too much turmoil, and uh, I, I I don't know exactly where I stand on this whole thing with with Jimmy Lake and and that suspension. Um, you know, there's lots of talk on both sides of it. I c- kind of feel like uh, Jimmy Lake snapped under a little bit of pressure, but did try to protect his own player from getting himself suspended. And so I I don't know. I just th- it, the it doesn't. The writing on the wall, I think, is there for Jimmy Lake. Like I, I, I don't know how he survives this. 
going forward. And so that's a team in turmoil. It's a team that hasn't been able to find its footing um, against an Arizona, Arizona State team that has shown it, itself to be pretty talented at times, but but inconsistent. I think that you know a big piece of that is inconsistency at the quarterback position, and that was a guy in Jaden Daniels that was supposed to be a leader in the Pac-12. So I'm picking, even though it's at Washington, I'm picking Arizona State in this one, um, and I, I think they should come out on top in that one. But but you know, would not be overly surprised to see Washington pull one out. And then you've got this UCLA team who had a win against LSU and then a loss against Fresno the following week and went on a, a two-game winning streak, beating a couple of teams, and then two-game losing streak, losing to Oregon and Utah. They, they've had kind of a, a difficult stretch. They uh, went into a bye week, and now they've got Colorado. Frank, how does UCLA do against Colorado this weekend? Well, interesting, Colorado uh, under Carl Durrell, uh, I mean, geez, they've won three of their last five games, seem to be at times playing pretty well. Uh, I like their I like their run game. The quarterback is, uh, is getting better. Um, I would say early in the year I would have definitely picked UCLA to win this football game. Like, it wouldn't have been a question. And now I think Colorado makes this game a question. I do too. The way that they're, the way that they're playing. It's at UCLA. So I'm going to – I'll stick with – well, I mean, I was going to stick with, like, the three-point – I'd go minus three for UCLA because they're at home. But is that really a home field advantage? Is the Rose Bowl a home field advantage for USC? They have a crowd that doesn't show up until the halftime show. You grew up not too far away from this campus, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, down the street. We were just talking about the Cal game being postponed. Why is this not postponed in Pasadena? They don't have COVID issues. So Cal had COVID issues on the team. Oh, it's a, that's a team-related postponement. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoa, I thought. You thought the state of California shut it down? No. No, Cal. No, well, no, I, I thought that if it's a team-related postponement, then it is a forfeiture. Oh, that's a good. That's a good question. That's a good question. So that would be Cal forfeiting that game, if that's no. The- it's been rescheduled. They just said it's been rescheduled uh, for December fourth. Hey Lloyd, I-, I thought that the Pac-12 commissioner made a comment about COVID issues or COVID-related. Uh, um, I believe he. I believe he did, but maybe they're. They've agreed to work this out. I'll have to look into that. We'll get you They've, that answer a little the bit The teams later have agreed to disagree with the commissioner's comments. <laughs> they just, <laughs> just rescheduled well, it. Well, yeah, but if I – By the I'll, way – I'll be on a – well – By the way, I, I mean, this is a, this is a scenario where nine, – so 99% I, – I don't want to get into the politics of this because it's gonna, it, it'll turn into an ugly thing. But, but 99% of the Cal players are vaccinated. 99% of the Cal players are vaccinated. So, you, you know, you take that, you, you can take that however you want to take it. Yeah. But, but I, I mean, we're looking across the country, and uh, we're, this is the sole COVID issue this year. The significant majority of football players are vaccinated. Even last year when players were not vaccinated, there was not one case 
even after the NCAA study of COVID being transmitted on the playing field. Mm. I'll leave, uh, that's it. That's interesting. Let's move on. <laughs> well, I'm not going to do anymore. I know this. If, if Cal is forced to forfeit this game to USC, USC is still going to find a way to lose it. <laughs> so, so you're still taking Cal. <laughs> still taking Cal in this one. Even if they're forced to forfeit it. Man, Dante, right. Dante Williams, I, I like that guy, but he certainly hasn't done himself any favors. Like He hasn't, made, he hasn't put anything on his resume that's going to make USC hire him as the next head coach. And he's running a two-quarterback system, which is – who knows? I, I don't get it at all. Frank and I disagreed in the postgame of this Utah-Stanford game on which side of the ball had the most productivity and the most influence and effect on the outcome. Frank thought it was the 441 yards rushing. I thought it was well, – how many TFLs? Was it 13 mm-hmm. TFLs? How mm-hmm. many sacks in that game? Yeah, it, was, it was an incredible defensive performance. We're going to jump over to the defensive side of the ball, talk about what Utah did to Stanford defensively, and then – You've called for it. You've requested it. Over, under, will follow that. That's all coming up next on your Utah Preview Show.